Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 16 for Monday, November 19th, 2018. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixel Riffs. Good day, sir. Hello, episode 16. I, I keep thinking about these things in terms of Minecraft numbers because oh, right. like, I'm, I'm thinking 16, that's a stack of enderpearls. That's a stack of eggs. You know, I keep, I keep looking for milestones like 32 and 64 and stuff and we can be like, we have a half stack of episodes now. So yeah, we're, nice. uh, we're, we're really, really chugging along at this point. Yeah. So where would we now? The annoying stack? <laughs> yeah that's where that's where i because like how annoying is it i mean i get ender pearls I, I think it would be kind of op to be able to carry around 64 ender pearls mm -hmm. but but eggs yeah really? eggs, snowballs snowballs are a particular offender Snowball, and, yeah. and it's getting to that yeah. time of year when real snowballs are starting to come out uh judging by the the photos i've seen from our friends uh over on the the northern americas but uh yep. yeah no the um the the sixteen stack is always a it's always been a weird one, and it's also enough of a material that you don't want to throw it away, but you also have no space to store it. Like if I have sixteen granite on me, I'm like, well, I may as well put that in a chest somewhere. But where's it gonna go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what other things are there limited stacks of? Is it just eggs and enderpearls? There's gonna uh, be more than that. I mean, there's there's stuff that you can only stack once, like soup and things like only comes in, uh, in like a okay. single item and all food in minecraft used to be that way occasionally i go back and look at people who are playing in like the alpha and beta editions of minecraft before it got the full release and some of the some of the maths was adjusted a little bit but people are carrying around individual pork chops back in the day before the oh, hunger man. system was implemented and pork chops directly healed your health instead of refilling hunger and then that saturation thing refill uh, okay. your health so it was a different system at the time but i can't imagine like having to carry around individual pieces of beefsteak in my inventory along with all of the blocks which i think then even stacked to 64 but uh yeah at a certain point they must have thought well people are going to need to carry a lot more food if they're going to do anything ambitious in this game yeah. but uh that actually that actually sparks an idea for like a show topic down the road in terms of why the stacks in minecraft are the way they are like mm -hmm. actually researching a little bit of that i'm, I'm curious now but, but what have you been up to uh, in minecraft this week uh, eating a lot more food than just the individual steaks. I, yeah, I, I've been been working on three different things, I suppose. I've got the Sky Factory series running on Twitch where I make my time lapses. I've been doing some landscaping in that, which is incredibly satisfying to watch just appear on a time lapse. Um, but yeah, nice. I again, I'm one of those people who likes to build stuff in Sky Factory instead of just do the tech progressions. So I got to a certain point in... Uh, the tech progression where I'm now growing plants which give me dirt and stone and using vast quantities of dirt and stone to basically create a landscape around the house that I originally built and the little factory where I've got all of the kind of resources coming from. So it's actually starting to look like Minecraft again. <laughs> I, I re remember somebody joking that like you start off with a tree and a block of dirt and you just have to build Minecraft from there. And that's that's pretty much what I've been doing in in Sky Factory. So the time lapse for that should be coming out later today or tomorrow, I think. Um, on decidedly vanilla, I fought the Wither and died. Um, I got overconfident with my first Wither battle. It went really well, and then I fought another one, thinking, "Oh yeah, I can just breeze through a couple of these fights." And now I'm realizing why people get multiple Withers and they just kind of, you know, do the cheesy way of spawning them under the bedrock portal in the end and killing them super easily because when the wither takes you out and all of your gear is then gone because it's blown it all up it's blown up all the item entities that scatter when you die uh, it's yeah. just heartbreaking like i went back to that place looked around for ages and it was clear that the wither had just obliterated all of my stuff which was my silk touch gear my mending armor my elytra mm. i've got backups for all of this stuff but it doesn't have all the same enchantments and i can't get a silk touch book for the life of me right now so that was a little bit heartbreaking but uh uh, I, I bounced back from that and I'm now at the point in my survival guide series, my single player series, where we're just finding the stronghold. Uh, so that episode went up today and that's that's been a lot of fun, kind of introducing people to the concept who, who may not be you know, familiar with the game and the fact that the stronghold exists and there's this whole other dimension to go to besides the overworld and the nether. Um, yeah, so we're getting towards end game in survival guide after which the series is going to continue, but it's going to take on more of like a project focus thing. We're going to be doing building projects and, you know, working on getting masses resources like resource farms doing kind of shulker box related stuff, a bit more redstone, that kind of thing. Nice. I, I like that. I like your idea for the survival guide where it's like, well, here's the survival guide. Here's like the, the bare bones of the game and, and what you need to do and, and what stages you're, you know, you can, 
you can do these things at. But then once it gets to a certain point, you can then turn it into, well, well, here's how you go farther with this game. Like here's mm-hmm. how when you see someone that's building ginormous structures in survival Minecraft, here's the things that they did before they did that. You yeah. know, like they have, you know, a mob farm for bone meal so that they can grow as many trees as they want and have as much wood as they want. And like, I think that those kind of resource, especially building block farms uh, in a way are, are really cool to be able to communicate to new players. And and I've been talking to some friends that are either like they play on the Citadel with me or they're just talking about their experience with Minecraft and their other friends or family, specifically younger siblings. You know, um, my, my friend Megan that I do the Citadel Cafe with, uh, her younger sister plays Minecraft, but she almost exclusively plays creative. Like she doesn't, she doesn't really play survival. She's yeah. been nosing around and, I, and I've certainly recommended your survival series to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's one of those things where like until they really get into it, they don't really spend a lot of time doing survival. So she would very, she might know about the end from just YouTube videos, but having never experienced in, in it in the game, um, I think having a survival guide about, you know, finding the end portal and, um, and doing all that kind of stuff is is excellent. So I, I remind me of the terminology. It is a stronghold, right? Yeah. That's the building that's in the overworld, and it is a is it a, is it end portal? Is that the name of it? Yeah, the um, one that's over the lava. And it's funny because everybody gets confused between strongholds and fortresses. Everyone calls the stronghold in the overworld a fortress, but the Nether is the one that has fortresses. Yes, <laughs> and, and I then... do that. I've done that on on camera before, and then corrected myself. Yeah, and I, I kept calling Eyes of Ender Ender Pearls in this one. So I'm like, I'm going to throw an Ender Pearl over here. And then I was like, no, wait, I'm going to throw an Eye of Ender over here to find my way yep. to the stronghold. And yeah, getting getting confused with the terminology is so easy. And when you have nether portals and end portals as well, they don't really have different names that way. They're, all, they're both just portals. So I've definitely heard people call nether portals, end portals, and vice versa. It gets a little bit confusing. Mm. But yeah, that, my whole yeah. philosophy with the survival guide is like, um, it's a guide that the first section is going to be a guide to how to survive in Minecraft, like uh, how, how to actually do the kind of progression of things. And then after that, it's a guide to Minecraft survival mode, which is like nice. everything else. Like it's I mean, your Hermitcraft is in survival mode technically, and they're doing absurdly big stuff. I mean, the same with, you know, all of the big servers and Psycraft and, you know, uh, any, anybody you find playing survival Minecraft so often is going beyond what you would consider the basics of survival in Minecraft. So it's kind of passing that a little bit differently, kind of saying like, this mm. is a guide to all of the stuff that is possible to do in survival mode, which is going to be a lot bigger of a, you know, an undertaking than just telling people how to get to the end, fight the dragon, maybe visit the end cities and then ending it there. There's, there's yeah. so much more to explore. Um, and yeah. it's it's funny the different things that people do in survival Minecraft as well, because uh, I can't remember whether I mentioned this last week or not, so forgive me if I have, but uh, Wells Knight has been releasing some world tour videos of friends. Yeah. And um, Fix It is one of the people that mm-hmm. he, he's been visiting. Realm of Vastin. Yeah, Realm of Vastin. I think this came out after we did the show last week. Uh, and their survival world is set up it's it's very much a survival, but but it's a it's a team based survival. So people are not going off and building their own bases. Not everybody has a mob farm. The server has mm-hmm. one mob farm. I well, I say one. The server they build one mob farm at a time. Like they they share all resources and stuff. But listening to Fix It speak about the philosophy of the server and how it works and how it is very different from what normally you see as survival multiplayer on on um, on YouTube. Uh, was really interesting and it was really cool to me to see the extent to which he pushes the game uh, and this is going to tie into our topic later but uh, but also still feels very much survival and and also blows your mind because well one he's not alone so he's he's got a lot of help from people mm-hmm. that that help him build this stuff. And sometimes people aren't necessarily building; they're just like some people just like to grind. So he's like, "Well, we've got a mine. You want to help us mine?" And people just log on, mine, and then log out. Yeah. And so the builders have all the stuff they need; they don't have to go and grind for resources. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the scale at which they are building things is even a build team. It's still a huge, huge undertaking and accomplishment. Uh, I would highly recommend that people go and watch uh, Wells Knight's uh, tour series. While he's on vacation for Thanksgiving, he's posting all these world tours. Man, epic. Yeah. Epic stuff. Talk about inspiration. Like, go check out the Fix It Wells Knight episodes. There's three of them. It is 
just phenomenal. It's it's funny because survival mode in Minecraft is really just a set of limitations on you. It's that you have to gather the resources, you are affected by gravity, you can't fly around, and you mm -hmm. have hunger that needs to be managed, and occasionally monsters that you have to fight. But in terms of that, like that, that's that's basically it. You can still acquire everything that you could acquire in creative, except for maybe bedrock and end portal blocks. That's kind yep. of the only real limitations. So your imagination can be the same. It's just applying it over a different set of parameters. And yeah. yeah, people who create stuff like that in survival are my heroes because I I love doing stuff in survival because it feels like more of an accomplishment to do it with those limitations than it is in creative, where your imagination can run wild, but you haven't put in any real efforts to make the blocks not to you know poo poo on creative players or anything because the stuff they do is still incredible but yeah i just i i like the survival minecraft ethos and i like the fact that people can struggle through the adversity of having to manage hunger and monster encounters and stuff like that and still build this incredible stuff so yeah i i i again i double down on that recommendation i think absolutely check that out it's a testament to what can be accomplished with the right amount of organization and effort and creativity it's really cool speaking of organization effort and creativity what have you been doing this week in minecraft <laughs> well it's funny i've been doing a lot of organizing uh I've, i haven't had a lot of playtime, so i've been logging in kind of like in the evenings and just you know cleaning up chests or moving stuff or like realizing mm, i actually only have four repeaters in my redstone box i should probably like just craft a bunch of stuff mm -hmm. you know take 20 minutes and do that kind of stuff so that when i do want to log in and stream or do want to play i don't have to then go do that at some other time mm -hmm. Um, I've had people ask me before, like, Joel, where, like, how come you have all of these, like, resources and stuff like that? And it's because, I mean, I, I have the advantage of working from home, but, like, earlier this, this year, I ended up with a foot injury, and I was, like, having to ice my foot every morning for, like, you know, 20 minutes before I did anything. Mm -hmm. Anything. I would spend that 20 minutes just icing my foot and playing Minecraft and just mining, like, not really playing, playing, just grinding for resources. And so I find that kind of getting organized in these little teeny windows when you don't really have enough time to get into a build, um, but you have enough time and you want to play for just a little bit. I find that that really helps. Um, but I've been continuing on with the the streaming stuff that I started last week. I streamed for a little bit yesterday. It was both a forgetful and a lucky stream. I neglected to turn on the game audio until like the last 20 minutes of the two hour mm. stream <laughs> so it's going to be very quiet for anybody that listens to it back um which is unfortunate but i will probably just find some minecraft music and maybe overlay it for the for the vod but mm -hmm. um it, it i was disappointed because i i what i what had happened was i i was breaking another portal and i was teasing the chat room saying are you guys ready for the most annoying and possibly loudest noise in the game mm -hmm. which is the destruction of, a, of another portal and of course everybody said like we didn't hear anything what like, noise oh, yeah oh God, man and what i was doing was i was cleaning up after all the work that i did the entire stream and i thought oh crap this is not but there's one button that i didn't click before i said started streaming um but i had a bunch of quality of life stuff i have added a bunch of commands to nightbot and thank mm -hmm. you very much Pixelrefs for the help on that. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it's it's something that you have to sort of learn by other people's example all the time. Like any yeah. any time I add anything new to Nightbot or my mods do, it's usually something that we've seen elsewhere that we're like, oh, that's pretty good. Let me steal that from you. And like I don't yeah. I don't have any original ideas when it comes to Nightbot stuff. But no, it's fine. I mean, help. I just, I thought it was just good for moderation and like keeping you know spammy chat at bay and whatever. Mm -hmm. And I liked the automatic you know every thirty or sixty minutes you know it'll pump out like a link to your YouTube or whatever. So. Mm -hmm. Um, I changed those. My complaint about the the timed stuff is that you can't, like, you can offset them, but it doesn't re it doesn't really work that way. Like, they if you want to have them spaced out, they tend to just like all clump up. It's it's an yeah. odd, odd system. I wish that you could say, do this every fifteen minutes, but don't start it until forty five minutes into the stream or yeah. something or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which you can't you can't quite do, or at least I don't know how to do. So I did that. Uh, I also um, it goofed, and I I have some real complaints about some of the Streamlabs. Uh, widgets and how they act with OBS. It could be OBS. Um, and to be clear, OBS for Mac, not not Streamlabs OBS. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have now a chat overlay. So the Twitch chat will show up on screen over mm -hmm. the Minecraft play. To give a bit of context uh, to what you're saying when you're like Context to what to I'm people. saying. Yeah. As I've been editing my, my, let's, my, um, my stream replays and posting them up on YouTube, uh, then I've realized that for the odd time that I don't repeat the statement or repeat the question before I answer it, that it, it helps to have kind of stuff um, pop up on the screen. Uh, and I have to say that I have a lovely chat room, so I'm not worried about, you know, 
what people are saying. It's it's, it's all pretty. Yeah, you don't, don't you don't have to worry deal. about profanity showing up in the middle no, of the video. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, all that kind of stuff is taken care of with the filters and, and Nightbot and stuff. But yeah. it's also, I just have a bunch of nice people that watch mm-hmm. my stream. So, I, you know, they're all they're all super nice. Uh, but what I did on stream was uh, more technical stuff. I've not had a lot of creative inspiration lately. So I moved a bunch of villagers. I want to have, uh, I fixed the zombie spawner uh, at some point off, off camera this week. And it's nothing big deal. It was just changing the water elevator from a, a 1.12 to a 1.13 water elevator. Uh, and so I'm going to be getting a lot of rotten flesh when I'm hanging around in my swamp base. And I want villagers to trade that rotten flesh with to have an epic amount of emeralds. I had moved some clerics. They died. I was annoyed. I rage quit. This was months ago. And so now I thought, hmm, a better idea rather than trying to move three more clerics to my base would be to just move three villagers and create my own breeder Mm -hmm. way over at my swamp base. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I took the time and I'm going to highly recommend that people do this. If you ever feel that you're going to be moving villagers around at any point in your Minecraft world, I put in a permanent villager train in the nether. Uh, that goes from just off of the main nether hub. I didn't put it in the nether hub because, of course, the nether hub's a, a pre-existing build and it looks very nice and I didn't want to have, like, train tracks in the middle of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have minecart rails that go the full length of the path to my swamp base portal. They are covered. It's got glass on one side, so for whatever reason, a villager stops. You can see where they are. And everything is enclosed by stone bricks and slabs. And so it's 100% secure. Nothing's going to light on fire. Like it's just totally safe for these villagers to go through on the minecarts. The only thing that you have to do from a, I guess, setup point of view is just you have to connect the the rails from the start of the, the main covered protected track to the main portal. It's like 20 blocks. So, you know, nether rack and some, and some rails and you're fine. Uh, cause I've done this before where you build the whole track, you move the villagers and you remove the whole track and it's just like, uh, so it worked out very well. We, ha- I had already set aside two nitwits. I turned on the villager breeder in the meadows and let that go while we were moving everybody. And we ended up with two villagers being bred over the course of the two hour stream. Mm-hmm. One of them was a blacksmith who I sent to a retreat and uh the other one was a nitwit who i <laughs> quickly moved on to to my base so i've got three nitwits safely tucked away in the swamp base ready for a villager breeder so i'm i'm very happy with the way that worked out i got a lot done and a lot done correctly in a quick two-hour stream so it was it was great i'm i'm really enjoying the technical side of things right now nice uh, i think that it's, a, it's definitely a good idea to have a permanent rail system in the nether as well because you know it's something that you can use if you want to do a quick kind of bit of hands-free transport and uh yeah it's it's good to to have that stuff especially like you say if it's kind of tucked away behind the scenes a little bit so it's not interfering with your main nether hub because there have been so many times when like i've i've had been on a server where a nether hub the floor is all slabs and then you have to build a rail through it but then you can't put slabs down because then when you break them again that means like reflooring the entire nether hub basically but then if you put a block on top of that that you can put a rail on then you're working at this weird one and a half block height for the rail yeah. and then you can't quite get on top of it when you need to and it's it's just a pain so building like a whole separate thing like almost like a the sort of servants passages in a in a big kind of yeah. country house or something like that just that's, so, that's somewhere that all of the, looks like, yeah. the maintenance corridor can happen yeah that's, that's yeah. A, a neat idea i might, I yeah, might have so to steal that yeah, no, absolutely. And and I'm thinking too, like for f- any kind of future nether hub that might exist, it would be great if, like for my nether hub has got a glass floor, so this wouldn't work for this particular one. Mm-hmm. But if you had a floored nether hub where it's just, you know, solid blocks, even if you just had that rail system underneath it and just a trap, you know, a couple of trap doors that you could quick, you know, or, or a piston door that you could just open up, push the villager in, in his minecart, and then send them on their way. You know, and then close that up. No one would ever know the difference. And then that completely enclosed, you know, minecart system takes them wherever they need to go. And you only have to kind of nudge them six or eight blocks out of the main portal. Like mm-hmm. it, I've got some ideas for making a much more efficient uh, nether hub for people that want to move villagers around in, in the future. Or even just materials. You know, like it's, it's, it's something that you could totally take advantage of. Especially if they do uh, eventually revamp the way that minecart rails work. Because I don't think they're really good for personal transport. I find them kind of slow. Uh, But speaking of technical stuff, we can probably move into the news, which is the snapshot that came out last week. Uh, Not Wednesday. It was released on Thursday, as far as I can recall. Mm -hmm. And that is 18W46A. And the lanterns that were teased were put in this snapshot. That's probably the biggest news uh, from the day. 
and they have uh, a bunch of other fixes like blocks now have directional opacity so slabs and stairs won't let light in from below uh, and will light let light in from the sides we actually touched on this a little bit last week on our lighting talk so it's funny that this was fixed like just moments after we <laughs> yeah, talked about it's, it on it's, the show I, again with us predicting stuff that's going to happen and like them releasing news about it immediately after we <laughs> record a podcast <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah pe people in our, our discord were actually talking about this and saying this has implications for people who use uh, things like slabs and stairs as viewing ports into spawners that could, because normally they would still like completely mm -hmm. enclose an area and block the light from it by building with slabs but it was still possible to see if a spawner inside of a big box was working and now mm. it won't be as easy to do that or at least you'll have to light a little bit further back in order for the spawner to operate at complete efficiency because right. the slabs will now be able to let light through and the same with stairs i build stairs into the corners of each of the mob spawners that i do because i always build them with a certain kind of design just as a stylistic right. thing but i won't be able to do that anymore at least not with torches right up against the stairs because mm. then then it's not going to be running as well which is interesting and it's it's strange again to see them mess around with some stuff that doesn't directly affect established gameplay mechanics it's just the way players prefer to do things it's not mm. essential to the way we do things but it does directly affect that stuff this has the side effect though of fixing a really old bug which uh has slabs and stairs not being lit correctly and i feel like a lot of people must have seen this where you'll you'll put a slab down over a light source or something you'll cover everything up and the slab looks like it's glowing from below because of mm -hmm. the way like the visual light comes through but not necessarily the light data so they don't let light through from below but they appear to and that is now fixed as far as i know like if i understand the bug report correctly that's fixed in this snapshot so it's going to be interesting to see if again people have used that for some sort of effect in a build that they no longer can i definitely rem remember xb crafted on the last season of hermitcraft doing a floor in his woodland mansion that was all kind of glowing from below because of the lighting underneath it but didn't necessarily have light down there and mm. yeah some people might have used that as an effect alternatively it's a way that you can now include slabs and stairs into say like you know a wall that you want illumination to come from you can put a block of glowstone behind it and only have a corner of that glowstone visible if you're using a stair block but then the light will still come through because that's the side of it that is technically transparent so yeah there are, there are more options for building even as some other options get taken away and I think also more predictive options mm. is how I would, you know, because I, I I have experienced that bug and I find it kind of annoying sometimes when you're putting stairs upside down and you want it to be dark or you want it to be light and it's doing the opposite of what you are yeah. planning. So then you have to then add or it, or it creates a weird lighting glitch where it's like, well, I don't want the shadow on the stair to go sideways. That looks odd. And so that you have to light the build more than you want to in order to just like flood everything with light so that it, there are no shadows. And so I find that that kind of stuff is, is always a little bit tricky and yeah. annoying. So I'm, I mean, I'm happy to see the change. I mean, it, again, you said it's, it's kind of minor. And for anybody that's viewing, using them for viewing into mob spawners, like I, you know, I would say just like create a small dark room and put carpet on the floor so that you can just go in and look and it's not going to affect yeah, you know, yeah there's, affect there's, anything. There's definitely ways around it. And I think, yeah, like, mm -hmm. like you said, this makes lighting more logical. It actually, like, if you can see a light, then it's on and you can actually uh, yeah. get the lighting effect from that. Whereas if it's completely concealed, you don't get the light. That's, you know, yeah. in terms of real world physics, that makes perfect sense. But it's one of those... Yeah those kind of quirky things that people have accepted as fact in Minecraft when it was actually a bug. Yeah. Uh, some of the other bullet points from the snapshot are that scaffolding now has a horizontal build distance of six blocks as opposed to four so that you can move things a little bit farther before you have to create another, another vertical tower mm -hmm. to connect things. And that uh, pillager AI changes beasts no longer spawn in pillager patrols. I don't know if that's a permanent change or not. That's one aspect of the snapshot that I did not explore. And and out of weird habit, I don't usually explore. I tend to be looking more at the blocks and the functions and those things rather than the AI of mobs and, yeah, and, yeah, it, and it, stuff like that. It typically requires you to play like half an hour of survival in order to really right. experience stuff like that. Like I, I did that when one of the first snapshots came out that included the pillagers. And that was also incidentally a snapshot where the mob spawning mechanics were slightly broken so they were spawning much more than they should have i went into a desert and it was just completely surrounded by stuff and i was like oh good oh look there's a pillager i'm also running away from seven other things at the same time <laughs> so i don't really have a chance to look at it but it looks friendly and then yeah i can 
I can see they're trying to tinker with the way Pillager AI works to get them ready for their primary kind of their advertised use, which is to raid villages. But I'm not certain quite where the beasts are going to come in, if beasts are only going to spawn near villages or if it's just they're, they're taking them out for now just because they don't want people who play survival in the snapshots for whatever reason to have their experience impacted by this virtually unkillable thing that keeps charging them and knocking them down every five seconds. Mm, mm -hmm. uh, some of the other things that I focused on uh, with the with the uh, the new snapshot were the lanterns and checking out some of the new texture blocks. Now I know that you were really excited about about lanterns last week. Well, we both were, but I I I picked up on on the excitement from you. So did you have a chance to place one, look at one, mess around with with any lanterns in the game, or are you just going off YouTube videos? Yeah, I I haven't, but I've seen a couple of streams. Um, I raided my buddy Ectovink the other day. Uh, he's a guy who's played on various servers. I think he has a long running single player series now. But he was just messing around in creative with the lanterns and trying to work out little you know lamppost designs and things like that he found that they were great when attached to fences and you can make up for the fact that you can't hang them from some transparent blocks like leaves and things like that uh right. by you know hanging a fence down from a tree for example and then just attaching a lantern to it as though it's either hanging down from a rope or there's like a branch of the tree coming out from the the canopy and then you attach the lantern to that so they seem to be a little bit not quite inconsistent but there's certain rules that apply to where you can place a lantern you can put it you can hang it from the bottom of a hopper as we saw in the original image of them that was posted on twitter but you can't place them on top of a hopper maybe because the top of a hopper is meant to be something that you put things in like it's not it's not yeah. meant to be a solid surface so also the hitbox of a hopper is completely changed with 1.13 yeah yeah so so it's it's interesting to see what rules apply to them and what things could potentially be tweaked between now and full release but uh, mm. yeah, I've seen some fun designs out there. How about you? Have you been able to actually play with them? Yeah, I, I have a quick little snapshot world that I just go in and just place things around just so I can actually see the block, move around the block, look at look at it in ways that I that I want to look mm -hmm. at it. And uh, I, I mean, they, they look great. I didn't pick up on the fact that they're animated textures. It's really subtle. Right. Uh, which is, but it's it's cool. And they're they're very attractive, just as we thought when we saw them in, in a in a screenshot last week, but they are a very attractive addition. I like the way that they look on top of a fence post. Uh, I mm -hmm. like the fact that they give off more light than a torch. They're a full 15 versus 14. Yeah. So last week we talked about putting a torch on top of a fence post to try and make a torch look a little bit better, but then you lose yet another uh, tick of, of light level. Whereas with the lantern, you're 15 at the lantern, you're 14 on the ground, and then 13, for etc. I haven't, seen, away, a, I haven't so. seen a crafting recipe for them. Is torches part of the recipe? It is. It is a torch surrounded by iron nuggets. Oh, interesting. I couldn't have called that. Yeah. I would have thought glass would be involved somewhere. But I would have thought glass and I would have thought uh, sticks at some point. Like yeah. I was thinking, uh, I'm glad that, I mean, I, would, I knew iron would be involved, but I was yeah. thinking iron ingots. Yeah, so iron like nuggets makes sense because the iron, nug, iron ingots... Like considering what you crafted of iron ingots and, and how much you get out of it, the tiny little lantern, if it was using full iron ingots... I agree that it wouldn't really make sense. It would be kind of overkill. Yeah. Uh, they would also become very precious early game because if you don't have a lot of iron and you don't have an iron farm, you would not be able to put a lot of lanterns around. No, absolutely. Yeah. Whereas and if you can get, you know, what is it? I think you can put an iron ingot into your into your inventory and get a... Nine. Iron, nine iron nuggets. nuggets. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like a bar so, of gold. And they didn't previously yeah. have any use. Like the only, the only way of getting iron nuggets was to break down an iron bar or to smelt some iron armor that was, or, or chain armor, and then yep. you didn't have any use for them other than turning them back into iron ingots. So the fact that nuggets yep. actually have a use now makes perfect sense. It's great. I like that as a really smart. Recipe. Yeah, I think they might. I mean, the, not that the lantern is. I don't think this was necessarily the motivation for the lantern, but I think that they're kind of combing through some of the things that you get in the game and saying, okay, well, you can get this, but you can't do anything with it. <laughs> That's not what we want. We want this to be something you can do something with. Give me a you use know, for like, poisonous potatoes and flint and i will be a happy man Mo Yang. make it happen because because <laughs> yes. i always i i complain about this even on sky factory where they get used for modded recipes or you can compost poisonous potatoes i still look at them and think why are you in the game you're just an inconvenience to me now yes yeah it's the kind of thing that just fills up inventory that you don't mm -hmm. that you don't want uh so what I am disappointed with is that you still cannot place the lantern on a vertical surface. So the side of a block, you sure. cannot yet, I say yet, 
I, I know you're listening, Mo Yang. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, re I really hope that you can do this. Even if it involves combining a crafted lantern with an iron ingot to yeah. then be able to have a side lantern like that's fine i'm fine with it costing more but i just i really wish that you could hang things or that you could put them on the side of things however something that re is really cool and i have to give credit to uh, an exumavoid video that i watched for this but the lantern when it hangs from a block does not touch the bottom of that block space so what's really cool is that if you have a one high gap you can either place the lantern on the block that's on the bottom or hang the lantern from the block that's on the top. It just depends on where you aim when you place the lantern. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of looking at a Minecraft block as if it's made of um, 16 pixels, uh, then the bottom pixel is, is blank. It's empty in terms mm -hmm. of the space that a hanging lantern takes up. Uh, there's more space above it when it's sitting on, on a flat surface. But I thought that was cool because that means that you can hang them in very tight spaces. Uh, and still have that look if you don't want them to be sitting on something. Or if you want them to be in a tight space, but then the block underneath them is a bush or something transparent that you can't put them on. Like I didn't test to see if you could put them on glass, but you cannot put them on iron bars, which is disappointing. You can't hang them from iron bars. You can't hang them from uh, end rods, although that makes sense because it's just, it was kind of redundant at that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a couple of other things that, that you... In terms of what you can and can't hang them from, it's the stuff that makes sense, like, you know, leaves and, and things like that. Yeah. I'm surprised that there's no sticks in the crafting recipe. I was in, I was anticipating, you know, a torch, sticks, and glass, and then, you know, metal of some kind. I, I'm happy about the nuggets, but I'm, I'm surprised that there's no, there's no glass. But again, like, nuggets around a torch, that's a very easy early game yeah. thing. Yeah, I right? mean, you, you have iron within the first sort of five to ten minutes of survival if you know what you're doing, and then, yeah, you yeah. can make lanterns from there. So no functionality like we said about, like, the dynamic lighting, holding up a lantern in front of you and lighting the area. I, we, I, I did I did think that was a little bit kind of um, far-fetched in terms of, yeah, mm -hmm. they're, they're changing a lot about the lighting engine in order to let you do that. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense in a way, but it, it would also be another fun thing for lanterns to do besides just being a new light source. So, yeah. yeah, I kind of hope that there might be some other, you know, practical use for them in future beyond just being another light source. But either way, they look very pleasant and I'm excited to use them. Yeah. Uh, the other quick change to some of the new blocks uh, are some new textures for things like the smithing table, the stone cutter, cartography table, and fletching table. Yeah. Uh, some I'd of them heard, are pretty simple. I'd heard they planned to change the cartography table at least because it looked too much like a cake from the top. There were just kind of like the red dots leading to an X kind of, I think, uh, I think Jaffa yeah. said on Twitter, like it looks a little bit too much like a cake with the, it's got, it's got white icing and red dots on it. And that's basically a cake texture. So they're like, we want to make yeah. that slightly different. I'm not entirely sure if they've knocked it out of the park. It's mm -hmm. neat, but it does not necessarily feel Minecrafty. Sure, that makes yeah. sense. There's a weird globe in the corner, which makes no sense. Like it's, it's not at all where you would have one of those things, or at least not that I've seen. Uh, so that sort of th stuff feels a bit weird. I've noticed people not really understanding what this red and black thing is on the top of it. It's a compass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why people aren't getting that it's a compass. They're like, oh, yeah. there's this weird ink thing. It's like, no, it's a compass. I mean, it's a square. I get that it's not round, but it's one of those things where you might want to make that compass just a little bit bigger. Everyone, to everyone's look... too used to using Google Maps now. That's the, <laughs> like, if it looked yeah, like Google yeah, Street exactly. View, maybe they would understand it. Young with the snappers, <laughs> Shakespeare's yeah. sky. Uh, but the color of the cartography table has changed. So it is now dark oak. The mm. fletching table is a lot more like birch. The undersides are specifically that. You can put them next to dark oak and birch, and they are virtually um, the same. That's cool. Uh, like, the, like the way the crafting table bottom texture is oak. That's that's neat. I like the fact that yeah. you can maybe conceal them in that way or at least have yeah. them blend in with structures of that material set a little better. Yeah, and they, they don't have any differences. Now, however... Uh, one of them, I thought one of them had a vertical... Oh, the cartography table. So on the bottom, they're the same. But on the side, one of the uh, sides of the cartography table is dark oak, but it's vertical. The planks run vertically. Right, so the lines are kind of north to south so instead of east to west. If you kind of had enough, if you had enough of these things, then you could make a wall of vertical planks as opposed to horizontal, which, cool. Uh, I kind of want them to do that on all the tables. Like if you're going to make them of all the different wood types and giving a vertical face 
to a, a directional block. The difference, of course, is that the other side of that is going to have like either bows and arrows or, you know, <laughs> yeah. so, like if, if you've got it, but if you've got a if you've got a deep enough wall, then it's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of an interesting, it might be expensive, but it might be a fun accent or something like yeah, that still, to do. Still no crafting recipes for these yet, are there? So we, no, we no crafting recipes, no UI. We, we don't know yeah. what's going on. No, I, well, they can't be crazy expensive. Like I feel like fletching table is probably going to have, you know, feather, string and wood, you mm-hmm. know, like I, I can't imagine it being too complicated. Car- cartography table, you know, paper, iron, you know, smithing yeah. table, definitely going to have some iron. That has got a completely overhauled texture. It looks like nothing else in the game. Yeah, it has... I, I saw that. It's a lot, a lot darker metal kind of look. Yep, wrought iron on the top of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has a reddish kind of like a cherry wood, like a really dark red uh, maroon kind of side panels to it. Very clear, big mallet, big pincers, tongs. Uh, and then the bottom also has a unique a unique te- texture. So it not only does it look cool as having yet another texture for say like a factory floor or or something industrial or dark. Uh, and it also kind of looks like stone. Like you could you could pass it off as as either or. It depends on what you would put next to it. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the bottom of it also has a unique texture. Um, neither one of them are seamless. I kind of wish the top was something that was connected. Like I. I'm okay with the bottom having a little frame, but I feel like it would be nice if the top did not have a square that ultimately looks like a checker pattern when you put six or eight of them together. Sure, yeah, something uh, that would tie a little be, better, yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of like how smooth stone just kind of blends together. It would be nice if it was it was tileable, but um, but that is something that you may end up just seeing in texture packs. You know, people might just like, no, I'm not I'm not completely re overhauling it. I'm just going to change the edges of it so that it it can be you know, smooth next to one another. Yeah. That, however, may change the way that it looks when it's on its own. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I haven't messed around with anything like that. But that's it. That's kind of like the, there was a small snapshot this week. Yeah. And I, the, there've been a couple of things that I spotted while I was browsing Reddit. Again, like with having done, you know, Sky Factory and two other survival series this week, I haven't really had a chance to mess around in the snapshots myself, but I just, I keep track of this stuff on on Reddit and on YouTube occasionally. Mm-hmm. There was a really fun bug that I, I, I spotted people making note of on Reddit where, end cities are spawning on the central island in snapshot worlds so, oh, wow. so some players visiting the end for the first time get instant access to shulkers one of them even had a ship they could get some elytra without you know even fighting the dragon i think somebody even said the dragon just didn't spawn which yeah is is clearly like just some weird problem some wires have got crossed somewhere when they've been implementing some of the new stuff and end cities are just spawning in random locations I mean, you know, N-City Generation was bugged out when 1.13 launched as well. So there seems to have been, you know, whatever they're doing right now is really affecting the end in strange ways, which, mm. you know, you know, law masters might just spin up a whole new set of, you know, <laughs> weird, weird ideas about why that's happening, you know, in world. But, you know, in actuality, I think there's just there's just some code that they're tinkering with here and there that is going to... Uh, Gonna, gonna mess around with end generation a little bit but i thought that was kind of fun i also noticed the stone cutter apparently has an animated texture now i think for the circular saw i don't know if it you... does it's yeah. a good concept i don't necessarily know if it's executed to the best of of the way it could be sure it, yeah it, it looks a little funky i th- but they also may be limited by just the nature of trying to animate around you know circular saw yeah um, and, and, it's and just the a, flatness it's of the t- texture as well with it being yeah kind of it's a, a, a it's a two-frame animation and mm-hmm. there's a nice reflection on the blade that kind of wobbles and that looks right it's the teeth that when you rotate when you rotate this particular animation it changes the shape of the circle Mm-hmm. and yeah. saws don't do that yes yeah no, <laughs> or at least when they're spinning fast enough they just look circular they don't look like you can't see the actual teeth yeah when yeah it's it's rotating. gonna it's gonna cut kind of wonky if it's yeah like that. so yeah. i feel like they might need to work on that and i think also that the like the the texture of the whole block has changed i feel like it has different color corners now like it's a little bit yeah I, I, I believe it was it. it was a little different yeah. and and they're working from it being an original block in the pocket edition version of the game to reworking it into this suite of tool blocks that they mm. seem to have working mm-hmm. on for for all versions and yeah still still very curious about what they're going to do if they're going to have any impact on villages and that kind of thing I was talking about that more in my stream the other day about how like it would be cool if villagers were attracted to certain of those crafting stations if that's what they turn out to be and yeah, I really want to. I really want to have some functionality to them so I can get to playing with whatever it is they do. But yeah, uh, looks I like agree. we'll have to wait on that. Yeah, 
Well, speaking of lanterns and light, we have some chunk mail this week that actually is a response to our show on light last week. And mm-hmm. I was wondering if you would mind reading the email. Absolutely. Uh, this comes from Platinum Jewel 2. So thank you very much for your email. It says, hi, Joel and Pix. Thanks for another amazing show. I found today's show, episode 15, very interesting. And I have an idea on how different colored light could be added into Minecraft. You said that you should be able to use glowstone dust to click on a block and make it a light source or glow, but I don't think this would work or it would be very difficult to implement. And, you know, as a side note, I agree. Because, <laughs> yeah, having done this in mod packs before, I'm pretty sure, I think it was just the Carpenter's Blocks mod that, like, you could have a certain type of block that you could add glowstone to and then you could skin it like an existing block, but you couldn't just go around, you know, clicking glowstone everywhere. Um, mm. It was, like, very specific blocks that allowed you to do that. So it was it was a different system being applied to, uh, to vanilla. But anyway, back to the email. So uh, building on your idea, I think that as the nether needs an overhaul anyway, it would be a good opportunity to introduce different colors of glowstone and potentially new biomes. So when you break the different glowstone types, it would give you different colors of glowstone dust. Then if you click on a light source with that color of glowstone dust, it would give off that color hue. And she <laughs> wanted to ask, did I get the right terminology, Joel? Uh, (laughs) You did. Good. Uh, This would help with the nether and add more atmosphere to the game. Your tips in this episode have got me really inspired to mess around with lighting, and I have an awesome idea for a fiery nether tunnel using different light colors. Thanks again, Platinum Jewel 2. So, uh, yeah, thank you for that email. It's great to hear that we're inspiring people out there and that your nether tunnel is going to look very cool at the end of this. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's widely acknowledged at this point that the Nether needs an update. It's what a lot of people expected them to announce for the 1.14 update. Um, but I don't know how I feel about the idea of different colored glowstone. Maybe in these new biomes that you're suggesting it might work, but I feel like with the Nether as it is right now, it would look a little weird if there was suddenly a blue patch of glowstone or, or green, like some of the kind of cooler yeah. kind of color um sort of color ranges in amongst all of those warm textures like the netherrack that we have now and and lava and everything so i don't know about having different colors of glowstone but i i was thinking about it and i like the idea of like they're all white light sources but if they could be broken up into multiple colors the way like a real world prism will refract light into a rainbow or an rgb Mm. color space works when you're working in photoshop or something if you're you know combining different colors in order to make white then they could be broken down into different colors and maybe you know breaking a white light source like glowstone could give you different colors to apply to lights i don't know how how do you feel about that one well i i agree that i think if you're walking through the nether and there's multiple colors of glowstone well it would be interesting. It would definitely break the gloomy hellscape of the Nether if you've yeah. got like pink and blue and yellow and 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 different colors like that. And like rainbow glowstone would feel like you know hell for unicorns. Like it would really <laughs> yes. be really weird. It'd be very strange. Uh, so, something a little yeah. bit more suited to the sky dimension mods that I've seen, like the ether, mm, would probably yeah. have stuff like that. But I think too that there's something to you know it is called Minecraft. So instead of silk touching uh, glowstone, or because you get glowstone dust from witch drops, then you could potentially use the dyes in the game to change the color of existing glowstone to a color, yeah. and then either craft glowstone of a specific color uh, and have that affect the light that it that it generates. Uh, or I like your idea of of um, applying. Uh, Sorry, when I say your idea, I mean Platinum Jewel 2, uh, mm-hmm. of applying that dust to existing light sources. For example, the new lantern. Yeah. Uh, you could use red or green or blue glowstone dust to change the quote-unquote glass that's in the texture of the lantern to change the lantern from a red lantern to a blue lantern, etc. It would be really pretty for things like, you know, Chinese lantern builds and uh, doing things like that. You could have some really interesting uh, interesting stuff. Just the the build that comes to mind for me is the uh, Bilbo Baggins uh, 111th birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, with all the lights kind of hanging off all the All the lights and, and stuff like that would be yeah. really cool. And and even with Christmas coming up as well, like, you know, and, and a very Mm-hmm. other festivals of light that happen in other religions um yeah. there, there there is definitely scope for there being lots of lanterns around lots of color and stuff like that and so yeah it's it's mm-hmm. it's a nice idea to have have kind of colored lighting in the game and again it's it's a very far-flung thing at the moment but with them having recently overhauled the rendering engine in minecraft i know they mm-hmm. have to work with people who maybe have older hardware and you know they don't want to prevent people from playing the game if they're playing on like an old ipad or something so mm-hmm. it might be a little taxing but it's still something i would love to see in future so who well knows? and even in even if like 
forget the, the coloring the actual light, but even as a stepping stone to be able to dye glowstone dust and simply craft glowstone that has a different color. Like right now when you craft it, it's like a yellowy orange. It's very mm -hmm. warm. Yeah. If you had, if you dyed the glowstone dust blue or green and you were able to craft a green glowstone uh, that, I mean, it would be awesome if it had a different texture. I wouldn't necessarily want them to just recolor the existing. But think about that as as a way to have different colored light sources that you don't have to either hide them or, you know, put stained glass in front of them. I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, the other thing that could be a possibility in terms of new biomes and stuff like that was maybe not necessarily new biomes in the nether, but what if you could go to a swamp or go to a extreme hills biome and in your mining efforts were able to find a different kind of glowstone, you know, like green glowstone from the swamp, uh, blue glowstone from extreme hills or something like that. Yeah. That would be kind of fun to have, have it not be exclusive to the nether. Maybe it's not glowstone. Maybe they come up with something new, but it would be cool to have another mineable resource that you could turn into a light source like glowstone that you could restrict, like don't have it be so OP that you can just get it everywhere. But like, no, if you, if you want this green light source you have to find a jungle or you have to find a swamp biome in order to get it that would be kind of fun it's an idea i've seen thrown around elsewhere is having more stuff that is influenced by what biome you're in in the same way that leaf color is you take for example like you know oak leaves yeah. in plains look a very different color to oak leaves in a jungle they'll you know appear a much brighter green or mm -hmm. in a swamp they'll kind of turn brown in a mesa they'll be very brown this sort of dried out kind of dead look and I've seen people suggest that that could happen with more things. So, for example, <laughs> and to take a completely different example, actually, uh, Simply Sark released a video a while back about how creepers could camouflage themselves depending on their environment because a creeper is going to stand out as, as a very green creature against the more bluish tint to a uh, an extreme hills biome uh, grass. Right. But, you know, if it could camouflage itself a little better and turn slightly bluer, it would be a lot more effective as a, a a surprise, you know. It would kind of give them the element of surprise. And so, yeah, it, it, it could be possible to apply the same system to something like lanterns, where if you hang them up in a jungle, they have a very yellow kind of hue to them, you know, depending on what kind of light you want the jungle to have. If you have a, a slightly colder feeling light in extreme hills, and especially if you're higher up, so the air would feel slightly thinner and the light might transmit in a different way. It'd be, mm. uh, be interesting to see them do stuff like that I get that that also tends to, you know, limit people's creativity in terms of transforming those biomes into what they want and making them, like, making the extreme hills feel a little bit warmer by adding in warmer materials and light sources and things like that. So yeah. it's it's a bit of a, you know, it, it can be a back and forth argument that one. I'm not I'm not sure which side of the fence I sit, but uh, <laughs> yeah, interesting idea and and a, a fun discussion. We, yeah, we, absolutely. We've actually had another um, another user uh, another sorry another uh listener prompt a, a our main discussion this week which kind of feeds into the whole discussion about the snapshots and the new potentially crafting blocks that are being added because a lot of people i've seen have been saying that they those feel very modded in in the way that it seems to be splitting up crafting into different crafting stations the way that mm -hmm. modded stuff tends to introduce its own crafting elements to make up for the fact that the crafting in vanilla minecraft is very focused so we had a topic idea that uh, you, you uh, managed to source from user 670 uh, who says uh hi pixel riffs and joel i'd like to hear what's your opinion on what is vanilla and what is not yeah, so this came in as a as a much longer email. Uh, he was, or she was, recanting a we'll say debate that they were having online with what qualifies as vanilla and what is not. Mm -hmm. And uh, the email is just a little bit too long to read on the show. But the too long didn't read version uh, did prompt this idea, especially because I have been battling with this recently, just being newer to Minecraft and a lot of people out there. And uh, the idea for me, in terms of when people are talking about modded and when people are talking about vanilla. Uh, for me, it's it's really about what's released for Mojang. Like if it's in the release for Mojang, then I think okay, that's vanilla. Yeah, it's what uh, when what I, you get in the box, as it were. Yeah, when I when I think about modded, I think okay, you've got to enjoy in, install Forge, you know, or Spigot, or you know, you're doing things like what you're doing in in um, Sky Factory or Skyblock or uh, like Wells Knights, uh, Nature's Beauty. I mean, these are all just things that I'm familiar with. I know there's a ton of more mods out there. I know that Iskull is playing 
block craft or stone block stone block, or something. Yeah. stone block and all these are just mod you know mod packs collections of different mods that are out there and stuff like that and i think where i draw the line is where you know it's it's not something that affects the gameplay it's you know or or sorry it is something that affects the gameplay like you can do something like build a reactor or something that just does not exist in, in vanilla, vanilla minecraft mm -hmm. however it starts to get a little bit foggy now that Mojang has released data packs as yeah. part of the game, which means that you can do custom craft recipes. Now, in some of my discussions with people in our Discord who are very knowledgeable technical folks uh, in some cases, which is fantastic, uh, you can't create something from nothing in a data pack. If you are crafting, you can craft a block, like say make a crafting recipe for gravel, which does not exist in vanilla Minecraft. The, the crafting, the ability to craft gravel does not exist. However, the block exists. So you can't make up a new block in the data pack, but you can absolutely create recipes and be able to do things with blocks that you can't do in vanilla Minecraft. Mm -hmm. And that to me puts in this real kind of gray area. I don't necessarily consider that modded. Like a lot of times I'm looking at data packs and in some examples, they're simply things that you think should be a toggleable option in the game, and it just isn't. Mm -hmm. So players are just like, I would really like the ability to turn off Enderman griefing. It's just a pain. It's not something that I enjoy in the game. It It's just disruptive, and it doesn't really serve a purpose. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it off. And that, to me doesn't feel like cheating. It doesn't feel like it's a mod. It just feels like a switch that should be in the game that isn't. Uh, on the other hand, I also feel like, you know, when you get into data packs where you can potentially have, you know, crafting recipes for stairs, pump out as many stairs as you want, yeah. like that starts to get into, well, that's no longer just play creative if you want more stairs than you know what to <laughs> yeah. do with, you know, like there's yeah. some things that I think are a little bit strange, you know, and, and, and those are where you're going to, it's going to be a matter of opinion. It's going to be subjective like that. There's no black and white as to what. Uh, is or isn't vanilla when it comes to data packs that alter recipes. Like, I think that's where I think a lot of debate and argument is probably going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that you have some thoughts on this because you've been playing Minecraft a lot longer than I have. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've been around. <laughs> and I think um, it was interesting to see when command blocks were the big thing before kind of data packs and functions, which were kind of the, the intermediary between uh, command blocks and data packs now, um, people had a habit of referring to command blocks as if they weren't a vanilla thing, uh, because right. per perhaps because they were capable of more than what you could do in basic survival or creative. They required some basic knowledge of command language, and you could do very advanced things with them. I've seen, I've still still seen some stuff that people do with a set of command blocks and a resource pack that is mind blowing and turns Minecraft into a completely different game. But that is still, by the you know definition we've given it stuff you can do with Minecraft out of the box. You're not installing anything new uh, unless you consider you know, copy-pasting somebody's code that they've put online for something you can just copy-paste into a command block and it creates this whole module of command blocks inside your game. It's as though you're, making, you, you, you're downloading some mods or DLC or something, except that is all stuff that it is possible for Minecraft to do in itself in vanilla mm -hmm. Minecraft. I think there is a distinction to be drawn between vanilla and default, and I might have had this... Uh, uh, this discussion before this is something I saw words. something I saw XB Crafted mention when he was starting up a new series of Ark Survival Evolved because that's a game where it can get incredibly grindy and the default configuration for that makes it so that when you're taming a new dinosaur it takes a very long time making it perhaps a more realistic experience as far as re realistically you can tame a dinosaur uh, but a lot of people don't like to wait around for that long, especially if they're making a YouTube series and they don't have like entire sort of half a day to put into taming one dinosaur. So he made the distinction that I'm playing vanilla arc. It is unmodified. I haven't added anything new to it, but I've messed with the default configuration to, you know, shorten the times it takes to tame a dinosaur. So by the same token, if you're messing with the default configuration by installing a data pack that maybe makes furnaces smelt faster, that kind of thing. That is not necessarily straying from vanilla. It is straying from default. The same could mm. be said of resource packs as well, because, you know, there is a default resource pack and then there are other resource packs that you can download that people have made online or you can make your own. 
and you can radically change the way the game looks. You can turn it into a different game, but without the use of anything that you've necessarily had to download and install that, again, like has Forge to run it through and changes gameplay. You're changing aesthetics. It, It might make you play the game a little bit differently because you've got different aesthetics to look at. You might be building stuff differently to how you would in default Minecraft because the blocks look different, but it doesn't require any special installation. So I think that's that's where the line is drawn for me as well. It's it's if it's out of the box and you know vanilla Minecraft can do extraordinary things. Like for a while there were Reddit posts where people had done something extraordinary with data packs or with commands or functions boasting 100% vanilla no mods. I have done this crazy thing in the game. You know, I've I've created this incredible boss battle uh, with like the Herobrine kind of boss battle with like the Steve with glowing eyes and he comes out and like, you know, moves blocks around and tears up the earth and throws projectiles at you. None of it looks like anything that you can experience in default vanilla Minecraft, but it's all done with commands, so it's still vanilla. Right. It's a weird distinction. And as data packs and data-driven features bring us closer to be able to create mods within the framework of Minecraft gives you, and say like now you've got bedrock add-ons that allow players to add new mobs to the game, and there's a scripting API and other features, it's going to be interesting to see the lines blur between what is modded and what is vanilla and how we make that distinction. Like yeah. what, what do we start calling data pack driven Minecraft if it doesn't feel vanilla anymore? Right. And I, and I find that I see terms like that thrown around in some of the mods that are out there in terms of vanilla plus mods or vanilla yeah. plus plus mods, which yeah. I don't understand what the difference is between plus and plus plus, but uh, <laughs> it's I, just, I just have, I've how mentioned... far people feel like they have strayed from Mojang's light yeah, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and a lot of it is just quality of life stuff, you know, things that, that are in the game that you just wish worked a little bit differently or yeah. things that are in creative that you wish were in vanilla. And it's obvious that they're in the game, but either for whatever reason, Mojang just hasn't gotten around to putting it in the game yet mm-hmm. because their priorities are different whatever that happens to be i do i mentioned uh exumavoid earlier in in the show and i want to give him a nod because of the work that him and some of the people that he works with have put into the vanilla tweaks uh website uh, as part of his website and you can get to that by going to exumavoid.com slash vanilla tweaks and i like the idea i like the term tweaks i think that that's exactly it it's very very descriptive in a short way. It gives you the idea that it is vanilla, but with just a little bit of tw- just just a tweak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not redoing anything. It's it's just saying like, no, this we think this should be better. You know, like for example, getting six stairs instead of four. I don't. That doesn't bother me. But if it bothers people enough, they might want to implement that. Uh, having things like uh, the ability for shulkers to drop two shells instead of maybe one. Uh, the ability to, um, what's another really one? Uh, single player sleep, you know, stuff like that, that just improve quality of life for either multiplayer servers or even single player worlds uh, in terms of just crafting, uh, being able to turn off Endermen or Ghast or Creeper Griefing individually as mm-hmm. if it was just a toggle in the menu. Stuff like that I think is really interesting and does not at all for me break the idea of vanilla Minecraft. It's funny, there used to be a term for this kind of stuff, which was Game Mode 4. And there was actually a project called Game Mode 4. There's a a wiki for it, although I think it's since been discontinued, or at least it's not updated anymore, where there were command block modules you could install that did stuff like that, uh, made armor stands slightly more functional, improved certain things, you know, made fire work a certain way. And there there were all of these different things. I think, like, instant smelting... um, ores when you kind of you'd get a a pickaxe with a certain enchantment and you'd be able to instantly get uh iron ingots out of an iron ore block when you were mining that kind of stuff like that was available as a set of command block modules you could install in your world and it was called game mode 4 because it wasn't strictly vanilla or adventure or survival or anything like that it was kind of like a a halfway point between creative and survival maybe but Mm. uh you could argue that a lot of survival servers now operate on that kind of game mode for ethos where you can just install a couple of data packs and have single player sleeping and have like modified crafting recipes and allow for different things and allow the dragon to drop elytra. You have loot tables that allow different things to drop, you know, much better treasure if you want to. <laughs> and mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, data packs now operate that way for things you can't do in the vanilla game and nobody has come up with a term for it yet. And yeah, I'm 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 still wondering. Yeah, are they going to change the terminology? And it has been funny seeing everyone's reaction to the new kind of functional blocks and saying like, 
oh, hey, there's like there's a blast furnace now. That feels like something from modded. And, you know, people are going to have to get out of that mentality because fairly soon it's going to be vanilla. Like once mm-hmm. they figure out what these things are going to do, that that's going to be vanilla Minecraft. And it's weird how we expect vanilla to evolve in very specific ways, but nobody can quite nail down what that is. It's like you said, when when people are talking about vanilla plus or vanilla plus plus, what do they mean by that? It's, it's they're trying to develop the game along the same sort of design philosophy, I guess, as vanilla Minecraft, like the stuff that yep. they would expect to see develop in vanilla, but it just goes a certain way and has to be installed as a mod. And I think some of the some of the best mods and some of the mods that I find the most appealing, I haven't actually played well any really, but I haven't uh the things that I find appealing to watch are the ones that don't stray too far from that ethos. You know, they're the ones where the mod maker or the mod pack curator has taken the time to say, like, okay, if I was working at Mojang, from what I know and from what I know from my years of playing Minecraft, if I was to change the game in a way that I would want it to change, how would I do so that would align with the the trajectory that the game has been on so far? And those are the things that I find the most appealing is that they're not just like, I don't want to say cheating, but they're not just saying like, well, I want to do this, so I'm going to do it for yeah. like no no reason. For no additional uh, cost for ex- or whatever, yeah. Yeah, for example, like adding in extra crops, like new new kinds of crops and new kinds of recipes. It doesn't really, I mean, I don't really grow that many crops anyway. All mm-hmm. it does is just gives you some cool new stuff to grow and, and have fields of for different colors. Yeah, and you can, but, you can open a burger restaurant if you want to. Yeah. Or Pam's Harvest a, Craft a, or whatever, yeah. Ex- exactly. It's a, it's a real subtle, I say subtle, it's a complicated change from the back end, but it, it doesn't really affect how you play play the core game like it doesn't break minecraft it doesn't all of a sudden make things um you know too easy or too hard it's just like well there's more to do you know and and i and that's the kind of stuff that i find really interesting yeah and unless we forget some of the features that we now take for granted in minecraft were originally mods or parts of mods uh specific examples i've got for you uh pistons were originally in a mod uh, and this was way back um, but they were mod- a mod by somebody called uh, Hippoplatamus. At least that's the username they went by. Um, horses were <laughs> nice. originally in the Mo Creatures mod by Dr. Jacques, who ended up actually working for Mojang and supplying the code that led to vanilla horses, which mm-hmm. have now undergone a couple of changes to make them look slightly different, but are still based on that same code. And so it's interesting that modders have actually influenced the game in certain ways, and maybe they've seen the future of Minecraft before Minecraft has. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the future of vanilla and how much it starts to resemble modded and how much modded kind of shrinks into data pack stuff or branches mm-hmm. out into its own whole thing. And we still have yet to get to an episode that's like firmly about certain types of mods, but we've we've skirted around it here and there. So I'm looking forward yeah. to uh, exploring those in future. And it's not like a practice that's unheard of. I'm unfortunately we're forgetting the terms for them but there's lots of things that were in world of warcraft that were folded in from either plugins or add-ons i can't remember what they called them in terms mm-hmm. of like quality of life stuff for managing inventory and, and things like that that you could install into your warcraft game that didn't necessarily affect the way that the game was played but how it was organized how easy it was to go through your inventory and uh all that kind of stuff and eventually you started to see some of those uh, those modifications being folded into the Warcraft releases. Sure, yeah. You and come back made, six months and, later and they're all implemented. Yeah, well, which is fine. Because it's like, well, if it's something that, you know, anecdotally or even data-driven, if, if they can tell, oh, out of our millions of users, more than half has got this one mod installed, then that's probably something that people want. You know, like it's if it's that popular, then why not put at least a version of it into the into the existing game? And hey, if it's not exactly what people want, they can just continue on using the mod. But if it's if it is something that people want, then they don't have to bother. You know, like if if it's implemented in a way that makes sense for everybody, that's like, oh sweet, I no longer have to use mod X. I can just you know use the 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 new version of the game. If only they would do that with Optifine. I think we'd all be happy. <laughs> you uh, and me both, man. Do we do we consider mod- Optifine a mod just real quick before we move on? Yes, but it's just so much of an integral part of vanilla to me at this point that yeah. uh, I, I, there are definitely a lot of people who I feel they, they've said they can't play vanilla unless Optifine is released for a certain version. So they won't even like join a new version of Minecraft until Optifine has come out for it. 
mm. which must have been heartbreaking at the beginning of 1.13 when you yeah. know performance is really down so everyone's like we need optifine but it just took ages to come out because they had to rewrite from the new code base so yeah. yeah it's it's odd it's one of those things that it's become so ubiquitous and there's the first thing everybody suggests whenever anyone says i've had performance issues with minecraft everyone's just like get optifine just install optifine and it's just part of the experience now. But anyway, I think we are running into the end of the podcast now. It's time to wrap up this episode. So you can find more things about the show and some uh, some links to all of the stuff we talked about today on thespawnchunks.com. Uh, the music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you, listening to this at home, get some value out of the show, then maybe consider putting some value back in by visiting patreon.com slash thespawnchunks and joining our community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat and get us closer to turning one episode per month into a roundtable discussion with a rotating cast of guests, which is our next big patron milestone goal. We're currently at 30 patrons. Two more and we'll have half a stack <laughs> nice sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us on the spawn chunks uh, on twitter and instagram or uh, recommend the show to a friend in person or via email or something uh, everything in social media has an algorithm and it just debates as to when it decides to share the things that you share so telling somebody about the show actually goes a lot farther than you think email the show at the at gmail.com to share your thoughts on either new blocks new snapshots uh ideas for discussions whatever you want you can find the spawn chunks by name on itunes google or your favorite podcatcher app uh, the rss feed is on the and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page my name is Pixel Riffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have my Minecraft Survival Guide series for beginners, my Sky Factory time lapses, and my multiplayer Let's Play series, Decidedly Vanilla. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I'm mostly working on my Sky Factory stuff and playing occasional other games from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at Pixel Riffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, how about you? You can find everything I am doing online at joelduggan.com. That includes my illustration and design portfolio, links to additional work, and a brand spanking new online store for prints, original art, and artwork. Tis the holiday season coming around the corner, so if you're looking to do some uh, stocking stuffers or some gifts, then check out joelduggan.com for some ideas. The Sigil Cafe is a podcast where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. The Comics Coast to Coast podcast is where I interview illustrators, creators, and animators. And you can find everything I'm doing on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and it smells faintly of vanilla. <laughs>